Welcome into episode 31 of Raw Tools, where we are anticipating Super Wild Card Weekend. And one of the teams squeaking in this year, the Seattle Seahawks, with a 9-8 and record. And to talk me through Super Wild Card Weekend, we're bringing on Michaela Mattis. She is a co-host of the PNW Showdown podcast with her wife, Kate. Michaela, how are you? I'm doing well. I am really excited for Wild Card Weekend. I know we're huge, massive underdogs going into Saturday against the 49ers who have had an incredible season. So I'm really happy to be here talking to you about what to kind of look up to and look forward to on Saturday. How much optimism do you have, though, given the last time those two teams met, the Seahawks and 49ers? It was a one-possession game? I believe it was a one possession game. Um, so here's the good thing about the Seahawks and the Niners facing off on Saturday. They've seen each other twice this season. The 49ers came away with both of those wins. Um, but they know each other very well. We've played them. They're a division rival. So there's some comfortability there. They know us. We know them. Um, and it, I feel like that always makes for a really great game. I feel like you can kind of throw... Um, out the win-loss column and just say it's going to be a really hard-fought battle out there on the field. Um, the last time, you know, we saw the Niners in the playoffs, you think about Richard Sherman and the tip there and coming out with a win in an epic way. So who's to say that they can't go out? And uh, they have. I, I feel like the Seahawks have nothing to lose here. I feel like the 49ers do. I feel like they're on a 10-win um, winning streak. And so... I feel like the Seahawks can kind of play their hearts out and the Niners have something to kind of protect. So it's a little bit of a different, I would say, mindset that both teams would be going into this game with um, to try to pull out a win. If my memory isn't failing me, that Richard Sherman tip, was that the one where the post-game interview, he kind of blasted Michael Crabtree? He sure did. Aaron Andrews <laughs> on the other side of that. Um, and it was... One of the most epic post-game interviews that I'm sure Aaron Andrews will never, ever forget. I don't know how anybody could really forget that interview, and she was just kind of bewildered. So um, what a personality Richard Sherman has, and in a lot of heart. I think that's something that um, the Seahawks defense could really benefit from right now is somebody with that level of personality um, that they're missing with Jamal Adams not being on the field with that kind of energy. It is a young team, though, but it seems like Pete Carroll does a good job taking some of those younger players, Tariq Wan under his wing, and then getting the results. You've seen Walker have a great year on offense. Gino's a veteran, but kind of a first-time starter for the first time in a long time. It seems like all the pieces came together for a really productive season where everyone had ruled out the Seahawks after they traded away Russell Wilson. Yeah, and I think that a whole lot of credit, number one, goes to the Seahawks front office for potentially realizing something that a lot of even Seahawks fans weren't even um, kind of realizing at the time because when the news broke that Russell Wilson was traded, I, I very much remember the moment. I was, I'm an educator, so I was sitting in my classroom during lunchtime with students in the room, and I get a text from a family member saying Russell Wilson was traded. And I remember my heart sinking because... Russell Wilson was very much our quarterback in Seattle. And I think the initial shock of it is that we didn't have the whole story. We didn't know what was happening behind closed doors. We didn't know the conversations that were 
kind of unfolding. You know, you start to hear through the media that maybe things are starting to go downhill between Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, and their philosophies and how they want to move forward. So as time went on, all of a sudden we could kind of come to terms with the fact that Russell Wilson, he was ready to move on. And I think it was a mutual agreement at that time and that the Seahawks front office might have noticed that there could potentially be a decline there. Would there have ever actually been an extension had they kept him? So I think that they did a really good job in turning that around for players and draft picks that can really help this team into the future. And we're seeing the results not only from the draft from 2022, but what we're going to be able to potentially draft coming up here in 2023. I'm glad you mentioned the draft. That was one of the topics that I wanted to cover. And granted, there's a whole postseason to look forward to potentially if the Seahawks can pull the upset and they make a run. Maybe you recontextualize these topics, but when you look ahead to the 2023 draft, where are some of the issues or holes that the Seahawks could fill that they're lacking? The biggest question mark right now, I think that really doesn't allow us to truly dive into, you know, whether or not we should be focusing on the defensive line, which many would argue that that's the biggest concern is that we don't, we won't have a quarterback at the end of this season. Both Drew Locke and Geno Smith are free agents. And so if we don't extend or, or um, re-sign Geno in the offseason, um, then we very much need a quarterback. And maybe the Seahawks see something in Drew Locke. He sat behind Geno Smith that they're developing him, and we are not privy to anything that – any of the work that they're doing with Drew Locke. So there's a lot of question marks. And if they choose to re-sign Geno, then we can focus our conversation more on, okay, so who's the best defensive lineman? Who's the best edge rusher that we can pick? Right now we're sitting with the fifth overall pick from Denver. They beat the Chargers yesterday. Um, so that kind of was unfortunate because it would have been the third overall pick. Um, so will Will Anderson be there to select for an edge rusher? Will Jalen Carter be there? as an interior defensive lineman, maybe because of the need for quarterbacks for the other teams that are picking before us. But those are the two linemen address that I see that the Seahawks could really benefit from. Otherwise I see them trading back. You mentioned Geno Smith's impending free agency. How would you approach negotiations with him? If you were the one making the decisions, it seems like he's a pro bowler. It would make some sense to, roll with him one more year. Yeah. I, so my ideal, like between 25 and 30 million per year, no more than three years max, but I could see two years being my ideal kind of place there. Part of that is, um, you know, this is, this has been a really great year for, for Gino. He's shattered um, some single season records for Seattle, uh, you know, passing yards over 4,000, 30 passing touchdowns. He had a rushing touchdown so he's done a really good job, let alone his accuracy and his completion percentage has been um, just incredible, over over 70% all season. So he's really developed. I would say that some of my concerns lies with he actually had quite a few potential interceptions that were dropped from other teams that just making some of those decisions, he can either be really on point and the times that he's off, it's like just right in the hands of somebody else that could potentially take it the other way. Um, so that's just a little bit where my concerns lie with him. Um, but I've been really, really happy seeing what I've seen on the field. And I think that he could potentially be a great bridge quarterback 
for developing a young quarterback that we could select in the draft, be it, you know, mid rounds this season, if they can find kind of that diamond in the rough, develop them, get them starting in the next two years or for the 2024 draft, which there, there's said to be some solid quarterbacks there for 2024 as well. So they could be patient, pay him a couple of years, or again, if they don't, if they don't resign him and another team offers him a better deal, then we're going to need a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Sounds like there's some potential options there. It seems like Gino as a bridge makes a lot of sense. Were you at the game Sunday, the win over the Rams? I was there. Yes, I was there on Sunday. Um, man, my throat was thrashed last night. I was hoping that it would be good to go for today. And it is, um, you know, Jason Myers, at the end of the game it was a tie game, four seconds left. Thought we could just close out the game without overtime. That wasn't the case. Of course, that's Seahawks football for you. What an incredible end to the game. Baker Mayfield threw it short, but I totally thought it was going to be a blown coverage touchdown pass for the Rams to end the game. And Quandre Diggs just cut it off, thrown short, was able to allow the offense to go out there and secure a win. Jason Myers redeemed himself, and um, what a fun atmosphere to be in. And then to have to rush home and try to watch that Lions and Green Bay game. Yesterday was a good day for Seahawks fans. Yeah. I mean, how were the vibes in the house and, and at the stadium? Just um, a lot of a lot of excitement. Also, I, I just want to put out there, Bobby Wagner is his first time back at Lumen Field after um, being let go this offseason by the Seahawks. And it was nothing but love for Bobby out there. I was making sure I was repping my Bobby Wagner jersey. And uh, he was the sole captain to walk out into the field for the coin toss. And chants of Bobby were loud and proud. and um as he left the stadium too just nothing but love for bobby wagner so that was part of the environment too um that kind of gave that vibe of just happiness and when i was home and watching the game against the lions in green bay and they pulled out the win i i mean i i just went off i was so excited so happy and um you could see it if you ever go check out my twitter i'm sure just my words of choice sometimes aren't the best for some people, but so excited, really happy to see what they can do on Saturday. It's sports Twitter. So the best filter is no filter. Uh, exactly. Suppose you and I have this conversation this time next week and the Seahawks are victorious over the 49ers. How will that have happened? <clears throat> the defense is going to have to give the offense a chance to go out there and ball. And mm-hmm. here's the deal. This, the Niners' defense is elite, one of the best defenses in the league. And Nick Bosa, as we know, could be Defensive Player of the Year, MVP, um, 18 and a half sacks for Nick Bosa this season. That's The offensive line is going to have to protect him. Um, I think it might be Abe Lucas's and Charles Cross's job to do so. They're both rookie t- uh, offensive tackles. So quick reads. Um I don't think you're going to get the long bombs. You got Fred Warner there in the middle. He's an excellent linebacker. So Gino's going to have to get the ball out. They're going to have to somehow get the run game going. It's just going to be a hard fought battle. Um, But the defense is going to have to probably secure some turnovers, put the pressure on, um, on the offense. And I think the defense might have to win this game for us. The Seahawks defense will. Also, this offseason, the upcoming coaching carousel will affect the NFC West. The Cardinals 
or cleaning house. They got rid of their GM, Steve Kime. He's stepping away for, for health reasons. And their head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, was axed on Black Monday as well. What are your concerns about that search? Or who would you expect to, to take on uh, the next head coaching gig down in Phoenix? It's going to be more, um, in my opinion, I think it's going to be um, more of a highly sought after position. I think it's more um, appealing than some of the other open positions with the Texans and with, uh, you know, the Broncos. So I could see where it could be a place that, you know, I'm curious where Sean Payton might end up. I know that he's interviewing with the Broncos. I could see him potentially going to Arizona. It almost feels like a really good fit for him there in terms of the um, where he could be placed. The other thing I think about Sean Payton is I think about his demeanor with his players and um, him working closely with Drew Brees at the end of his career. And I could see him almost being a really good person for Russell Wilson to have around and to coach mm -hmm. him. You think about Pete Carroll and how he managed that relationship for the years that he did and the success also that Russell had. And it might just come down to having a really good veteran coach in those positions to be able to manage and, and that there's a whole lot of trust in him. Um, so for Arizona, you know, the other interesting thing is that there's a huge question mark, whether or not Sean McVay will step away from the Rams this season. That's right now. That's kind of the talk of the town. Who's the Rams head coach going to be in it. It does surprise me that, that he would potentially walk away at this point, um, in his career with the Rams to potentially do some broadcasting stuff is what I'm hearing through the grapevine, but the NFC could look west could look very different next year coaching wise i'm just not quite sure which route it's going to go and who's going to fill these positions um jim harbaugh is said to potentially be interviewing too with the broncos so is he interested in other positions um in the nfc west that's a question mark too i hear those sean mcveigh rumors too and i understand why there's interest you know he's good looking he's very successful he's very young he's got charisma he's got an analytical mind but when i hear him speak in those campbell's chicken noodle soup ads it's this kind of higher pitched like kind of an off gravelly not like a tony romo gravelly but like yeah. for a, for a guy i'm always like do we want that on CBS on sundays i mean I, i'm not making the decision series obviously got appeal he's got endorsements but i've always been like Huh. Sean Payton makes sense. Tony Romo makes sense. Yes. You know, the late John Madden made sense. But mm -hmm. that's one where I'm just like, huh, they can train him up, I suppose. Yeah. It would be interesting to see what his next step would be for sure. Because I, I also think and, that he was a, such a great mind coming in. Like they had mm. a terrible, like their season this year did not go as anybody would have. Let's be honest, anybody in the NFC West, none of us, none of our seasons went the way anybody anticipated. The Seahawks were not supposed to be where they're at the Niners were not supposed to be as good as they are um the Rams are still su supposed to be at the top still the Cardinals was, were supposed to be second that's just the way that everybody protect predicted and it was actually the flip so um it's going to be interesting next season and with all the moves that have to be made especially if you don't have the same starting quarterback things just really shift and change one other name that I feel we'll get some mention in the coaching carousel is Shane Waldron and just how mm -hmm. successful he has been running an offense. And, you know, Russell Wilson wanted him in Seattle and now they've got success with Geno as well. It seems like he'll be a highly sought after name and that'll have a ripple effect on your team. It very well could. And uh, he, 
you know, they said that he had one of the more complicated playbooks when he came in, and that's why it kind of took a while for the team to adjust his play calling um, and his his playbook. It helped that Gino had some time with it. He was somebody that was already on the roster. He played last season when Russell Wilson went down. He had some experience being able to work with that playbook. So I think that some of the success comes with time, right? So the longer you have with the playbook and the more you learn the ins and outs of it, the better you can manage it. The better you can manage the game, the better you you saw it um, even with the play the play clock. So in the games last season, it would drive me nuts, and it was true for years. I always felt like the play clock was close to zero with Russell Wilson under center, and that you're just like hike the ball, like get it off. Gino had a lot more time being able to adjust where needed his audibles he could see the field for a lot longer before he had to hike the ball. And so um, I think that just, again, comes with Shane Waldron putting together a really good playbook and making sure that the offense knew the the plays that they were running. Um, so all the credit to them. And we'll see where Shane Waldron ends up if he's wanted for one of those coaching positions. But um, really, gosh, so the Texans, the Broncos, mm. potentially the Rams, the Cardinals, who else might end up with a new head coach? Well, the Colts as well. Um, Colts. I'm trying to think. He, Jeff I mean, Saturday is not the answer for the Colts, huh? It's not <laughs> Jeff Saturday. He had the most prophetic. You know, I might come in here after eight games and be like, you know what? I'm not cut up. I cut out for this. My bad. And then eight weeks later, yeah. Um, those are. I mean, the the organizations. I mean, and I guess it goes without saying, but this year in particular, you usually anticipate seven a year, but each of the openings this year, it seems that there's so much volatility at the upper level of the organization. I don't want anyone touching that Houston job with a 10,000 foot pole. Someone's got to do it. Just the way they treated David Cully and the way they treated Lovey Smith. There's no direction there. Arizona has been up and down for so long. The Colts have a very impulsive owner. It's just, I wouldn't wish that on anyone except someone who can really handle that mess who's been in professional messes before like a Harbaugh or a, or a Peyton, but for a first time head coach, Shane Waldron, or maybe even an Eric B this year, just ugh, sounds so unappealing. I wouldn't want to put Eric in any of those positions. And I understand that at some point Eric should be a head coach. And that's been the case. That's been the case. And we all know that. I don't, I don't want him to have to go to any of those kinds of organizations because it's literally setting himself up. It would set him up for failure. They wouldn't be supporting him the way he deserves, which is why, um, you know, I'm, I'm also curious what Seattle's kind of doing to prepare for the day that maybe Pete Carroll retires. It could mm-hmm. be a very sought after destination for a potential future head coach. Um, and that could be coming up here in the next two to three years. So um, if, if, it will be interesting. Let's not take Eric. We'll take Eric up in Seattle. Take Eric up in Seattle. Carolina is another one where they're deciding whether or not they'll retain their defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes. They were roughly around 500 um, mm-hmm. ending that season after they fired Matt Rule. So, yeah, I th- there's at least seven open right now. I think maybe eight with uh, Sean McVay steps away from the Rams. But, yeah, you know, he had a tendency to, to burn pretty hot, like, like Sean Payton burns pretty hot and just kind of burned himself out but Michaela the floor is yours now what else would you like people to know just you know what I really want people to remember especially as we head into Saturday is that nobody thought we would be here 
they thought a five win team at the at the best um a lot of people wanted Drew Locke to start over Geno Smith, even as the, the season started. Everybody was questioning that decision. And here we are. So, number one, lots of us, including myself, should humble ourselves to say there are people in these positions that are making decisions and to kind of continue to have faith that some of the decisions that they're making is because of what they're seeing and what we're not seeing. Number two, regardless of the outcome on Saturday, this has been a huge successful season for Seattle. They are nine and eight. They have a winning record and they made it to the playoffs at the thank you, Detroit lions who beat the Packers, nothing but thanks for you um, going out there and playing their hearts out. They already knew that they weren't making the playoffs and yet they secured a win, um, which I hope really boosts their, uh, their own just um, desire to go out and continue to have winning records in, in the seasons to come. So, yeah, just continue to have faith in the Seahawks. Um, I really hope that we pull out a huge upset. It's I will never, you know, be upset about winning a game. Um, but if if they if they lose on Saturday to the Niners who have a 10 win winning streak and who have their 13 and four, um, it's a good way to go out against a team that has had an exceptional season and a rookie quarterback that's stepped up and and been literally the best over the last few weeks in the league. So um, nothing but respect for the Niners as we face off with them for the third time this season and uh, go Hawks. Go Hawks. I'm glad you enjoyed your one day stint as a Lions fan. It seemed very productive. And I did cover Drew Locke when he was a college student at the University of Missouri. And so armchair GM is all abound. I was rooting that he would compete for that starting job. Um, But Gino was the answer. So that's a story for another time, though. Young Drew Locke, for sure. It's the PNW Showdown podcast. Be sure to check it out with Michaela Mattis. Michaela, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you.